0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap.
1: Here's the pitch.
0: A couple! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle.
2: Well, hello everybody and welcome once again to Brewers on Tap. We are back with another edition, a special edition. It's the post-2020 MLB draft edition of Brewers on Tap. And of course, it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a long handful of months since the spring training of 2020 got shut down due to COVID-19. And we're still hopeful that baseball will be around the corner before all is said and done. But... The draft did take place last week, and the Brewers added some college bats to their arsenal in terms of the Brewers' farm system, and we had a chance to sit down with Brewers' president of baseball operations, David Stearns, to talk about it, and director of amateur scouting, Todd Johnson. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here is David Stearns on the Brewers' draft.
0: Let's break it down.
2: David Stearns is our guest now here on Brewers on Tap, and of course, the the main conversation about the MLB amateur draft, which, of course, took place last week. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But we're getting closer and closer to hopefully having Major League Baseball here in uh, the coming months. And so uh, as you kind of get prepared for that, David, what is your daily schedule like as you look at, well, we could play now, we could play at this point in time, and here's what the rosters may
1: look at. Everything's so fluid. How do you stay on top of it? There's so much speculation right now. And that, that is what makes I think everyone's job within the industry a little bit challenging at the moment is we just don't know when and we don't really know what. Um, and until we get those two questions answered, all we can do is, is really scenario plan and, and try to have blocks of plans in cases of different scenarios. And then we know that when we're, when we're told uh, we're gonna have to move pretty fast, and I do think we can ramp it up fast. I think we're prepared. I think all 30 teams are prepared to ramp this up fast. But step one is is we need a date, and step two is we need to know what rosters are going to look like. And and unfortunately, at this point, we don't know either. So all we can do is is do our best to be prepared when we get the when we get those pieces of information. I think one thing that's safe to
2: say is it's it's going to be a shorter season. I mean, here it is in 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 almost late you know mid June. At this point, we haven't played baseball yet. So it's it's going to be a shorter season. Have you given a lot of thought internally to how your roster is made up and how that might play over a shorter season versus a longer season, especially with Craig Council's managerial style? There might be some advantages to that potentially.
1: There could be. Certainly if, if we are if we have an expanded roster size, if, we have, uh, if we're have able to use 28, 30 players for portions of the season, that – hopefully will will benefit us. We believe that we have uh, a 40-man roster that, that could work well in those types of scenarios. Certainly in, in September's of the past, we've been able to compete very well with expanded roster sizes, and Craig does a great job of using um, extra guys on his bench. And so if we're afforded that luxury, I, I think we'll be in good shape. In terms of, of how a shorter season or fewer games plays out, it's so tough to tell. I, I think there's been plenty of commentary about that, even to this point, about injuries potentially taking on a, a greater uh, level of importance, which they which they certainly will. Um, hot starts, slow starts, take on a greater level of importance. Uh, step one is going to get, be to get everyone to the to the starting line healthy. Um, we're going to have some form of a bridge training period. We don't know what that's going to look like either, but we have to get everyone through that period into the starting line healthy, and that that would be a really good first.
2: It's no doubt about it. It's it's a fascinating time right now to 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 be in your chair. I think everybody understands that, and uh, we'll kind of wait and see what the next couple of days and weeks bring, and hopefully we'll have baseball around the corner. Let's talk about the draft though, because um, what a unique situation that was. And I, I was talking to Todd Johnson, and and we were laughing how like, I mean, the fourth and fifth round picks get a lot of attention. Not that they don't in normal years as well, but when you have 40 plus picks. 50-some draft picks, maybe total, depending on uh, the year. Uh, Everybody can kind of get lost in the wash a little bit after that first and second round. That's not the case. Everybody's probably paying pretty close attention to all five guys that were selected in this year's draft. Overall, you had to really like what came to you at your picks. You got good college bats, guys that should be able to move um, at at a decent pace once they get into your system. And guys that all seem to have pretty high upside as well.
1: Yeah, you know, you never know how drafts are going to play out. And going in, you do the best to stack your board um, in the order you want to take them, not really knowing who's going to be there at any particular pick. But we are very pleased to come away with, with five college position players um, who play premium up the middle positions. And it's really unique to find that. Um, we also think that that it's a pretty unique set of college position players in that they have some untapped upside. So they've performed, um, for the most part, at, at at large schools in big conferences. And then their skill sets and their athleticism, we believe, gives them a chance to really improve upon what they've already done. And that's, that's exciting for a player development group. Um, and it's exciting for us to as an organization to have this group of of really skilled, um, college position players entering our system and, and hopefully uh, at least a segment of them can move pretty quickly.
2: You, cur- you certainly draft guys based upon your own evaluations but um, I'm sure you see the things that are said after you make a selection and the Garrett Mitchell pick just drew rave reviews across the board. Uh, I think everybody agreed this is a, an unbelievable athlete. This is one of the top athletes in the draft. Physical um, and, and, and certainly has all those different tools. And the power tool, I think, from everybody that I've talked to that have, that have, that have seen him believe that that will improve and, and really develop as he's in the Brewers system as well. This is a big get at number 20, it sure seems like, on the surface. It is.
1: Look, to, to be able to get a, a college position player with the type of upside that Garrett has in the, in the back third of the first round um, is pretty unique. And I think coming into the week of the draft, uh, we probably thought there was a 15, 20% chance that Garrett would get to us. Uh, The fact that he was there was great. We were excited. Um, And and so uh, he's a kid we've known for a long time. Um, I remember watching him in in high school. Uh, I remember watching him in a game that that he actually squared off against Royce Lewis, who ended up going one overall that year. Uh, So it's a a guy we know really well. We believe in him. Um, I think, Candidly, he believes in the organization. He knows the Brewers really well. And so it's a, it's a great match, and it's going to be fun to watch him progress through, his system, through our system and, and ultimately get to the major leagues.
2: Now you mentioned up the middle, and you, you just look at what you've been able to do over the last three or four drafts up the middle, and you look at the organization right now. Garrett Mitchell's the center fielder. Bryce Terrain a shortstop middle infielder type. Of course, Keston Hira is already at the major league level, but just one year into his major league career, you have a lot of up-the-middle talent right now in the Brewers organization. You have to love that.
1: We do, and that's one of the main goals of our um, acquisitional framework. And, and we believe that if you can stockpile as many up-the-middle players as possible, it gives you tremendous versatility as they make their way through the system and ultimately get to the major league level. Generally players who play up in the middle of the diamond can move to other positions if either they're blocked or their skill sets determine that they're better suited elsewhere. So all of these guys we think can play a variety of different positions uh, at the major league level when they get there. And that certainly is, is a benefit both to them and to us.
2: You have Freddie Zamora from Miami, of course, the second round pick, Xavier Warren, a switch hitting, very versatile guy third-round pick out of Central Michigan. And and I know you love his bat a lot.
1: That was probably the thing that stood out along with the
2: positional versatility, right?
1: That's right. Xavier is a guy who who just hits. And um, he makes a ton of contact. He sprays the ball all over the field. Um, and, and the fact that he can do that while playing a number of different positions uh, is really an attractive player for us. This is someone who we believe can um act. You have to play a short for his college team last year. That's, that's a pretty unique skill set. And so he is the type of player um, who literally could play all eight positions um, at the major league level. And that's that's very unique. It's extremely valuable. Uh, he's open to doing it. And so he's gonna see some time behind the dish as he moves through our system. He's also gonna see some time at various infield positions and, and probably some outfield as well. And, and he's gonna get used to playing all over the diamond Um, because that's probably the role he fits at the major league level when he gets there.
2: You also pick Joey Weimer out of Cincinnati in the fourth round, big-time power. Draws a lot of walks, though, too, so decent plate discipline and a big-time arm. And then, of course, in the fifth round, you take Hayden Cantrell, a shortstop out of Louisiana Lafayette, and that rounds out your picks, which is certainly a lot different than in years past. But now you're in a phase that is really unique, and that is signing undrafted free agents – there's a cap on the max at $20,000. You sign undrafted free agents after every draft, but this is a, a much more unique situation. What was your kind of philosophy coming into this stretch of time, and how have you seen it play out so far with yesterday, Sunday, basically being the first day that this activity could commence?
1: Yeah, Look, this is an opportunity um, to convince – players that you're the right organization for them and and that the brewers are the best place for them to be they're not only weighing offers and opportunities from other organizations but most of them are weighing the opportunity of going back to school and and these are all really attractive um positions for for them to look into so uh we we feel good we're, we're only going to pursue players in this space that we think can really make an impact in our system um you know minor league roster spots are scarce commodities. And um, every year when you draft players um, or you sign on drafted players, it means that you're going to have to release others. And so we're very cognizant of that. And for us to make an investment post-draft, it's going to require a player who we really believe belongs in our system, um, is better than, than what we have currently and can move through our system. And we do believe there are some players out there and we're pursuing them very aggressively.
2: The one thing that you talk about a lot over the course of a draft is signability of the athlete. And that comes into play with different draft picks and whether or not this kid will sign for a certain amount. That part probably has resolved itself to a degree now, right? In this phase, because everybody kind of knows what the max number is and guys have probably signaled whether or not they're willing to sign. It's just, where are they going to sign? So you're almost more recruiting like a college program right now. Is that is that an accurate assessment of what's going on out there right now?
1: I think there's some of both. Certainly there's, there's recruiting um, uh, away from other teams. And then there are some, some players who are still determining whether, um, particularly college juniors, still determining whether they want to go back for their senior year um, or enter pro ball right now. And um, those are really challenging decisions. And, and it, we're in such a unique environment. It's not an environment that these players necessarily planned for. Um, most of them coming into this year, as juniors expected to be drafted and we're going to be drafted at some point over a normal 40 round draft. And, and now they're in a, a very different situation where they have to make um, a decision about their, their educations, their lives, and their future careers um, with a lot of incomplete information. We don't know what uh, a minor league season may or may not look like later this year. We don't know what something like instructional league could look like in the fall. Frankly, we don't really know what a, a normal minor league season is going to look like next year. And, and these players don't necessarily know what fall classes could look like for them if they go back to school. So they and their families are, are working through um, all of this information, just like everyone else who's trying to make decisions right now in, in a world with a lot of uncertainty. And so all we're doing is trying to help them through that process so that they can make the best decisions for, for them and their families.
2: That's certainly a, a really unique and interesting time, and we appreciate you for your time, David. And congratulations on the completion of a successful draft, and good luck as you continue preparations, getting ready for the 2020 season. Thanks, Wayne.
1: I appreciate it. Hopefully, we're uh, we're seeing each other soon.
2: My thanks to David Stearns for joining me on the program, and of course, Todd Johnson who has run the draft over the last couple of years. This was a big job because so much was done via video and via virtually, and I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about the process and about the individual picks in the 2020 draft.
0: Checking in on the farm.
2: As we continue on Brewers on Tap, we are joined by Brewers Director of Amateur Scouting, Todd Johnson, running the draft yet again this year. And Todd, uh, this was a little different than in years past, Uh, certainly a much different format and just a different run-up to the draft in terms of how you prepared for it. You have a background in Silicon Valley, so I have to think some of that was a little bit of an advantage for you, or at least it helped you as you organized the process to get ready for this draft. Did it?
3: Um, I think, you know, potentially. I mean, it's been a while since I've
2: done anything in the the
3: technology space. So, um, but I'm certainly comfortable with technology. Our systems team led by Will Hudgens did a great job um, helping us get set up with with tools we needed, um, which are are similar to what we've used in the past, but we were able to use them remotely as well. Uh, We have a ton of video available, so we're pretty comfortable with with using video to do our process and um, just continue to to work that um, forward. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if my background helped, but it certainly helped that we had a, a really, really strong systems team and a really good video store a cache already available to us to be able to, uh,
2: to complete our work on these guys. There has been, I don't know if I would say a trend, but it In in the world of scouting, everybody still wants to get their own eyes on these guys in person as much as they can. But at the same time, there's been a comfort level that's increased with video scouting. There's no question about that. Not just on the amateur side, but you think about the, the professional side too. Eric Thames, the brewer signed him without really scouting him in person in Korea. It was pretty much done via video. How much does all of that make it more comfortable to go through this process since it has been a little bit different this year?
3: Yeah, that's certainly a big factor for us. Um, We've been, we think at the forefront of video um, acquisition and then usage and comfort level with Um, and so that was definitely this year. Obviously, everyone was was kind of forced into that. So teams that were less comfortable or didn't have the same amount of videos we do, uh, were certainly, you know, behind where other teams were if if we were in our situation, for instance uh so we were you know comfortable with that um we've always done a a decent amount of video work as well to try and to allow us to have additional eyes on on guys and you know get some crossover looks for guys so they can be clear on what the rest of the class looks like and just you know compare guys across the country a little easier so that's something that we've always been Uh, able to do and now we're still you know obviously in this draft everyone was kind of forced into that bucket so we feel like our our ability to do that and our comfort level with doing that certainly an advantage.
2: What was the room like and obviously there was Zoom conference calls going on and everything else as the draft was unfolding how did the communication process work in real time as you were getting ready to make your picks?
3: Yeah that was certainly one of the more challenging aspects. Um, MLB actually Allowed us to have people at Miller Park, um, so there was seven of us there. But we had to stay in a socially distanced fashion, so we were all in our offices doing Zoom calls, um, which was a little interesting and just uh, you know one of those things that was a challenge to try and understand and figure out. And then obviously a lot of the other people that are involved in that process on a regular basis were were not there. Um, you know, my our assistant scouting directors Tim McElvan and Brian Gale are were at their houses. Ray Montgomery was up in Connecticut at his house. And, you know, so we had people all over the place. Our supervisors were all, you know, remote as well. So, you know, from that perspective, like accessing them worked okay. We used a combination of, of Zoom calls, you know, some texts and, and a decent amount of Slack messaging as well um, to keep on top of it. And, you know, certainly as it went later on day two, especially things got a little, you know, quicker paced as far as the uh, amount of changes in, in, who was willing to take what kind of questions. So um, we
2: were uh, were working through that. Todd, let's go through the picks. And it's a little easier to do that this year than in years past because there's five picks. And I think in some ways it it puts a little bit more attention onto those picks beyond the first round too because there are just the five. Let's start with the first round and move our way down. Garrett Mitchell was a name that a lot of people were very high on before this draft. Uh, Very high ceiling, very good makeup, unbelievable athlete. I talked to some college coaches on the West Coast that have seen him play in person and followed him even throughout high school up through college. And they said he's a physical beast. Uh, I thought he gave a great answer on his conference call with the reporters after he was drafted about the power numbers maybe not being as big in college as what most people project them to be for him as he... uh, continues his development in, in professional baseball. And, and he talked about being a leadoff hitter and how it was a different mindset. What was being asked to him was different. But if he needs to go to the three hole and hit for power, he can do that. I thought he gave a great answer on that. This is a guy that really seems to have every single tool and might have been one of the, the, the more complete in terms of tools players available in the draft. And you were able to get him at number 20. Yeah,
3: that was definitely exciting. Um, you know, obviously we know Garrett really well as well. Um, he's a Southern Cal kid. We have a great connection there with our area code team and our fall scout team down there that Josh Belosky and Corey Rodriguez have run for a long time. Uh, so, you know, we've had him on our teams in the past. Uh, Win Pelzer the, the area scout in his high school area knew him really well, you know, wanted us to draft him back out of high school, but it just didn't work out. Um, and then we've done, you know, a ton of work to stay on top of, of Garrett and how he's managed that condition and, and grown and developed as a player. Um and I do, I, you know, I agree with him. I mean, he has raw power. You'll see it in BP. You'll see it sometimes when he does, you know, let it go. I mean, there's some video I've seen of him, you know, hitting balls over their batter, their batting cage in right field there, which is a, a pretty good poke, especially I've in that part.
2: That's a, that's a big time blast to be on the yeah. batting cage at Jackie Robinson Field.
3: Yeah. And, you know, that park also is not, not real conducive to hitting the ball, you know, in the air and hitting it out of the park because yeah. it does have that kind of heavier marine air there um so so we're comfortable that you know he can develop power and you know even if it doesn't become a huge part of his game you know with his speed and defense and ability to impact the game in those ways he can still provide you know quite a good value just based off
2: of those tools really exciting player a lot of the different draft analysts or gurus had him much much higher than number 20 so it sure looks like a steal for the brewers and Another really talented outfielder to, to throw into that mix, which I, I know you guys are excited about as well. Let's let's move down through the rest of the names. And another yeah. really high upside guy is Freddie Zamora, who you are able to get in the second round out of Miami, uh, rehabbing an ACL injury right now. But yeah. uh, defensively, always been solid, but has made yeah. some gains offensively over the last couple of years too.
3: Yeah, coming out of high school, we actually, I mean, he's a well-known kid out of uh, Killian High School down there in miami as well so you know was a known guy um we've last Giannis as our area scout down there did a great job getting to know this kid understanding what was going on with him keeping track of how he was doing with the rehab process as well and getting all the information that we needed to be comfortable with where he was in his rehab uh but yeah he's another guy where you know if he hadn't heard his acl in january you know he probably is not he probably more than likely wouldn't get to 53 barring, you know, something unforeseen happen with his season as far as the quality of his year. And certainly, you know, feel like he's got more offensive upside than I think people give him credit for. Uh, He's a, he's a good defender. He has some work to do defensively as well. I mean, as most college shortstops, will have to, you know, just to clean some things up and, and be more consistent on some more routine plays and those types of avenues. But we certainly feel like, you know, the offensive upside there with a, with a guy we feel like has a really good chance to stay at short uh, can, can really help us down the road.
2: Todd, he looks like a pretty physically mature kid too at the shortstop position. Looks like a pretty big rangy kind of kid.
3: Yeah, he certainly um, – that's another big improvement for him since he got to Miami. Obviously, they did a really good job there with him working in the strength and conditioning program and, you know, getting stronger because that was the other thing with him in high school. Is he was pretty lean. Um, he's definitely, you know, filled out from there, gotten more of that, that strength built in. And so we feel like, you know, that's, that's a good thing for, for us in that we know that that strength is there
2: now. We don't have to go and have that extra
3: you know, piece of we need to get this guy stronger as
2: well. You pick up a switch hitter in the third round from Central Michigan, uh, Xavier Warren. He played on the left side of the infield primarily in his collegiate career, but he was a college catcher. He has the tools to play catcher, and you announced him as a catcher. So clearly there's there's one belief he can do it, but two, probably some confidence in Charlie Green as well to work with him to start.
3: Yeah, we're definitely excited to, to get Xavier in, and he's a good athlete. I mean, that's first and foremost. He's a good athlete. He's a good offensive performer. Um, we feel like he's got, you know, really good field hit from both sides of the plate. So that was certainly, you know, a good thing that we are buying there. And we love the defensive versatility and the the possibility of him catching. Um, You know, catching is hard. And so he is, he is game for that and wants to give that a shot. Um, And, you know, we'll give him every opportunity to develop in that space. We feel like Charlie does give us the advantage there as far as somebody who can take guys who want to catch and have the physical tools to catch and and turn them into good catchers. And, you know, he would catch, and, and he's, so he's been back there. It's not like he's not been back there. Not like he's never handled, you know, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, so the opportunities are there for him to develop in that space and, and will hopefully keep his flexibility and, and, you know, versatility alive as well and, and allow him to kind of
2: play some other spots as needed as well. Your fourth round pick Todd was I think a really intriguing one. Really all these guys have a lot of intrigue in their own, Specific ways, but Joey Weimer out of Cincinnati. um, The two things that stand out to me about him are raw power and arm strength. It looks like those are two really plus skills of his. He had some big time exit velocity uh, in 2020 in the shortened college season. This is a this is a high upside guy. It looks like. Yeah, he's a he's another one that's you know a
3: big physical athletic dude. um, You know that we're pretty excited to get there. I think the other thing is, and and people look at his his size and just kind of the way everything works, and you're like, uh, you think it's a, a pretty raw kind of package that he's bringing to the table. But then you look at his performance numbers, and he's always done a really good job controlling the strike zone as well. Yeah. Um. So we feel like that gives him a good foundation to build on that power. Uh. You know, he's played kind of all three outfield positions. We'll give him a chance to run out to center field. You know, longer term. You know, does he stick there? I don't know. I mean, that'll we'll see how that goes for for him but he's fast enough to cover ground out there so and obviously has the arm strength to potentially go play right field um and you know he's not ever really been a pitcher but he has pitched some in the past yep. there and it's pretty pretty good stuff off the mound as well i think he's up to nine, touch 97 and has some feel for you know spinning spinning the baseball as well so that's an interesting option that we will potentially explore as we go down the road in that space
2: and then your fifth-round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette, Hayden Cantrell, another guy that um, with a better 2020 season, had a big 2019, didn't maybe have the, the greatest start to 2020. It's just hard to gauge that anyway because it was such a shortened season, but probably was going to be higher on most people's boards coming into the 2020 season. Uh, another middle infielder type that uh, is really intriguing and really exciting.
3: Yeah, Cantrell was – the, the funny thing is is, and we looked at this – if you go back and look at his seasons, he typically follows that pattern. He has been a slow starter pretty consistently and then bounced back and finished the year at, at kind of what his normal numbers look like. So we were fairly comfortable that this was just kind of his normal pattern that he didn't get to finish out. Um, he was really good last year in the Cape. So we've seen him with wood bat in his hand um, against top level competition. He was, he was excellent up there. Um, he's a, a really another really good athlete, up the middle type guy. You know, we give him a good chance to stick on the dirt, whether that's short or, you know, the possibility it's shortened some second um, and even has the speed and instincts that center field's an option as well. So another versatile guy, um, you know, who we feel like had another reason why he fell farther than maybe he should have, you know, each one of these guys um, kind of had that sort of feel to them. So, you know, we're pretty excited that that at the end of the day, we're able to
2: to gather some guys that we
3: felt like had a chance to be higher up in the on the board.
2: Yeah, collectively, this looks like a really strong group and, and a lot of major league potential in this group as well, which, of course, when you're only making five picks, you're hoping that you can get as many of those guys to the big leagues at some point as possible. All college bats, too, which is, I mean, that's that's unique. I'm not sure it was totally intentional, but probably not totally by accident either, right?
3: Yeah, it really, you know, it wasn't something where we set out and said, we're going to take college hitters. Um, You know, it's just kind of the way the board fell. We had pitchers in play at all of our picks. We had high school guys in play at all of our picks. Um, It just was the shape of this year's draft and somewhat the nature of the five rounds kind of, you know, pushed it more towards college probably. Um, And also, you know, like we felt like that there was good players available in the fourth and fifth round that wouldn't necessarily have normally been there.
2: Um, and they and they happen to be these college bats. Todd, the the really intriguing thing to me is what happens now over the course of the next few days. Uh, starting uh, on Sunday, players that were not drafted that were eligible to be drafted can now start signing with teams. There's a maximum on what that bonus can be, which is twenty thousand. And so th- this is this is kind of unprecedented water, so to speak. Guys that might have been sixth-round picks through 20th-round picks or even beyond that are going to have some interesting decisions to make, and some of them have probably already signaled what those decisions are based upon the money. But as you start sifting through that pool, and I know you're starting to come to agreement with some different guys, what are some of your goals and how how much are you learning about this process as it goes forward right now? Because it seems – a like, this could be a pretty chaotic couple of days for everybody across Major League Baseball as they try to stockpile as much talent as they can.
3: Yeah, I think that yesterday was definitely the uh, the one of the crazier days that we've had. Um, and so it started at 8 a.m. yesterday, the closed period that MLB had put in place um, ended uh, 8 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and I'm sure that the top, you know, the guys that were deemed to be the top guys available in this market probably fielded you know, 80 phone calls each from different team executives and did zoom calls with most every team. And, you know, that kind of stuff after that close period ended, um, it was, you know, it was interesting because it was different than normal. Um, we always sign guys after the draft. Um, that's a a fairly normal part of the process, but after 40 rounds, the, the group of players that's available is always, you know, quite different. Um, and, uh, that's a that's a challenge um to try and sort through you know this group of much more talented players and then you know also we don't have the 20k restriction normally normally we can get those guys more than that um so you know it has been a challenge to kind of try and come up with separators and differentiators um you know our, our pd department uh was was heavily involved in some of those calls we did yesterday to try and get guys to uh to potentially come our direction we still have a number of outstanding um, discussions that we're talking through that of guys that haven't agreed yet with a team. Um, You know, some guys we talked to and and try and made a big effort with have, have already signed. And then others that, you know, we, we hoped would potentially be in this space have chosen to, to most likely at this point, not, not take the 20,000 and to go back to school and, and continue their collegiate careers and come back out next year in what they hope will be a
2: more normal draft really interesting stuff and we appreciate you giving us some time in the middle of what's still a really busy week for you so thank you Todd we appreciate it. congratulations on a successful draft and we'll talk to you soon all right thank you appreciate it my thanks to Todd Johnson for joining me on Brewers on Tap that's going to do it for us in this special edition of Brewers on Tap hopefully we'll have baseball coming up in the near future until that time be healthy and be safe and we will talk to you soon have a good one everybody I'm Lane
0: Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or. Oh